Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, today as we reflect on you being our good shepherd, we ask that you would increase in us an understanding of what that means for you to be our shepherd, and we pray that you would give us the courage and faith to follow where you lead. We pray this in your name. Amen. Why listen to Jesus? Why listen to him? I love that question. It's this timeless question that a group of unnamed bystanders ask in verse 20 of John 10. Why listen to him? I love that question because it's a question that all of us have to wrestle and have some answer with, regardless of whether we're a Christian or we're not a Christian. Because if we're not a Christian, but we're thinking about following Jesus, about starting to do that, we need to have a compelling reason why we should listen to him. And if we're already following him, and we're going to keep following him, we need to have a compelling reason of why we should listen to Jesus. There are many answers we could give to that question, why follow him? But here are the reasons that John 10 gives. He cares for his flock, and he is the only one who can lead his flock into abundant life. When we hear the words of John 10 that Anne read for us a moment ago, it's easy to think that they're perfect words for the front of a Hallmark card. They're nice, comforting words said by a nice, comforting man, and let's put them on a Hallmark card. But if we heard Jesus say those words for the first time, we would know he was picking a fight. Jesus isn't sitting in a quiet meadow, smelling the roses with his followers, telling them how much he cares for them. He's telling them he cares for them, but primarily he's picking a fight. It started back in John 9, as he and his followers were walking around one day, and they came across a guy who had been blind since birth. And every day people would pass this man, and it seemed like people didn't really care too much about him. They didn't have any hope that he could have a better existence. And you get the sense that people didn't necessarily treat him very well or or pay much attention to him. But Jesus sees him, and Jesus has hope for his future. He heals this guy, but then many of the people who saw him every day didn't recognize him. They weren't sure if it was the same guy. Either it was too true to believe or there's a lot of crazy things going on. But the really crazy thing is, instead of celebrating with this man, the fear goes through the roof. The religious leaders just get filled with this fear. Not sure what to sense to make out of this. Not sure what it means for their standing and what they should think of Jesus. And the man's parents, their fear goes through the roof. And they're afraid of the religious leaders. So you have this man who's had this amazing experience. It's like it's his birthday of birthdays. And no one wants to celebrate with him. Jesus is the only guy that wants to celebrate with him. And so Jesus knows what's been happening. And these religious leaders are nearby. And that's where we get into John 10. And Jesus basically says to these religious leaders, You guys are just pretending to be shepherds. You don't have any skin in the game. You're not invested in these people's lives. 
because you don't own them. They don't belong to you, and so you don't care about them. But they belong to me, and I do care about them. He goes on to say how he's willing to put himself in harm's way. And he basically says, I don't care what the consequences are. I don't care if I get fired. I don't care if I lose my life. They are the first priority in my life. And that's the first reason this passage gives to the question, why listen to him? Because he cares for you. Because there is no one else in this world who cares for you the same way Jesus does. There will be people, hopefully, who from time to time and on a limited basis do care for us. But no one cares about us in the same way that Jesus does. Time and time and time again. That's the first reason this passage gives. The second actually begins one verse before the passage printed in our bulletin. In verse 10, Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And then Jesus goes on to say that he is the good shepherd. Singular. He is the only good shepherd. And he goes on to say, that he is the only one who can lead his followers to abundant life. The second reason to listen to him is that he is the only one who can lead us to life. But for us to get to that life, to get where he's leading, we have to follow. Have you thought about how each of us follows someone? Or we may follow multiple people. We may follow Jesus It may be Steve Jobs, it may be some hero of ours, or it may be ourselves. But all of us, whether or not we're aware of it, we're placing our faith in somebody or something to lead us to abundant life. And Jesus is telling us, I know you put your faith in other things and people, but I'm the only one who can actually get you there. And if we want to, He'll let us follow our own way. I don't know if you've ever seen the show Mad Men. It's uh, one of the more popular TV shows on currently. If you've ever seen it, you know the main character is Don Draper. If there are two people in the world who live life on their own terms, it's Jesus and Don Draper. (laughs) Every other man on the show literally wants to be Don. They dream about it. They actually talk about it with one another. He has the life that they want. And it seems that Don has the life that he wants too. He has the perfect wife, the perfect job, the perfect body. He lives life how he wants to. And he has the respect of everyone around him. But on last week's show, it became increasingly clear How more than ever before, even though he is getting everything he wants, his life is crumbling. He is getting everything he wants. Let's pause a moment and think, what would it be like for you and me if we literally got everything we wanted? How good would our lives be? 
That is Don's life. But it's falling apart before his eyes. It's amazing how in any story that doesn't center around God, whether it's nonfiction or fiction, whether you take Mad Men or the movie trilogy, The Godfather, or our own lives, whenever we center a story not around God, the amazing thing is when we get what we want, it turns out to be awful. Sometimes God gives us the grace to let us achieve everything we want to so that we can see it's not all it's cracked up to be. If we want to live life on our own terms and follow our own plan to abundant life, he'll let us. So that's one way. We can follow Don Draper. We can follow ourselves, our own plan to abundant life. Or Jesus comes along and he says, or you can follow me and my plan to abundant life. Even if you don't have everything you want in life, you are blessed if you know that Jesus is the only one who can lead you to abundant life. You are blessed if you know that. But you and I are blessed only if we put that belief into action. And here's where it gets tricky. It's one thing for me to say, Yes, I believe that Jesus cares about me more than anyone else in the world. I believe that he is the only one who can lead me to eternal life, to abundant life. And it's another to actually follow him there. It isn't just enough to agree with him. We actually have to follow. And that takes us to our second question of the morning. Are you stalking Jesus? Are you following Jesus, or are you stalking him? What do stalkers do? They observe. They study. They memorize things. They know what people like. But they don't actually engage with the person they're studying. They study people from afar that they're too afraid to engage with in real life. And over the past couple of months, I've started to realize that there's times that I've thought I've been following Jesus, but I've actually just been stalking him. And let me tell you about how I came to that conclusion. Part of it started with this book that I'm reading. And it's a, uh, in this book, this guy is describing what happened when he first became a Christian. And he said that he memorized the books of the Bible in order. And he memorized Bible verses. And he memorized events in the order they happen in the Bible. They're all great things. All good things to do. And he said, one night he was at a Bible study that was like many of the Bible studies he went to. And they were looking at a, a passage about how Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And the Bible studies leader said, this is what the word dead means in the Greek language. And he said, this is what the word dead means in the Hebrew language. And they talked about the differences. And then the leader asked, when was the last time you felt like you were dead? And, and this guy was like, what? What is this about? And he said that night he realized that he could talk about Jesus and knew all these things about Jesus. But he realized he wasn't actually doing anything with Jesus. And so that story is kind of floating in my mind. And I'm thinking, yeah, I know stuff about Jesus. And I, but I also think I do stuff with Jesus. Then I was walking around my neighborhood one day, and on my street there's about 15 or 20 
neighbors that I know that either live on the street or work on that street. And there's one person who's always grumpy. And sometimes they'll just unleash this torrent. They'll just swear at inanimate objects, like really loudly. And, and the person is sane, but it's obvious they're just so hurt. And I don't know like what that hurt is about, but I was walking and I, uh, and I thought, okay, Jesus wants me to love my enemies. What's a way that I can love this person? And I thought about it. It's like, oh my gosh, this is really hard. I can't think of anything. <laughs> but I thought, but I've done the right thing. I've thought about it the way Jesus would want me to think about it. And I've thought about it and it's really hard and okay, job well done. Isn't that crazy? How nuts is it for me to think that I know the most creative, powerful person in the universe and I can't think of something to love this person? So after, you know, I realized I was just like stalking Jesus, I was like, okay, let's just set the excuses aside. I'm just going to think and pray about some tangible action I can do. You know, it might work, it might not. But something, some act of love that might break through to him. You know how long it took me to, for something to pop in my head? Five minutes. Less than five minutes. You know, in the end, it might work, it might not. But at least I'll be doing something. And I believe doing something with Jesus, whether or not it all works out. I think the, the confusion is sometimes we get confused because we can do stuff like going to church and we can go to small groups and we can learn nice stuff about Jesus, but sometimes we don't always put that stuff into practice. And a lot of times we get concerned about people who don't like Jesus, people out in society who are out to slam Jesus, but I'm not sure that's the biggest threat to our faith. I wonder if a bigger threat to our faith is that you and I will confuse stalking Jesus with actually following him. Here's one one more way to think about this. This isn't a shepherd's staff. This is just a walking stick. It's a stick I took, I carried with me about a month on the Appalachian Trail after college with some friends. When I hold this stick, I can see the Appalachian Trail. I can see the trail and I can stand here and and hold the stick and the the Appalachian Trail, it's a path, you know, it goes about 2000 miles. We did, you know, a couple hundred miles of it, but I can stand here and hold the stick and I can tell you about how beautiful the trail is. And I can tell you how nice it is that the, the path is all laid out and directs you where to go. And I could tell you about the different foliage you'll see at different parts. And I could, I could wow you. And inspire you and and make you want to see the Appalachian Trail. And I could even stand on the trail and tell, tell you all kinds about this stuff. But I'm not actually following the trail until I pick up my feet and start going down it and walking where it leads. I'll close with one final story. Some of you know every summer the rector puts out the Rector's Summer Reading. It's a list of books that he encourages you to read over the summer. Well, this year, 
we're going to have the associate rector's summer reading. <laughs> and there's one book on it. It's called Love Does by Bob Goff. Bob spoke at Pub Club a couple months ago. The book is amazing. So anyway, one of the stories he tells in that book is about how through a series of circumstances, his kids, when they were school-aged children, flew around the world and met with 20-some heads of state. And he says one of those visits especially sticks out to him and his family. It was at a, uh, a former Soviet nation. He doesn't say which one. But he explains this conversation they were having with this head of state. And this president or prime minister was really hitting it off with the kids. They were having a great time. And he was speaking sincerely to, to the children about the things of life. And at the end, he turned his attention towards friendship. And this leader said, you know what it is about somebody that makes them a friend? A friend doesn't just say things. A friend does. As I've been thinking about that, I've been rethinking in my own life who I consider my friends. It's a word we throw around a lot, and I have a, you know, I'm grateful to have a long list of people that I call my friends. But I realize that some of the people on that list, they're just acquaintances. I still love them, but we're just acquaintances. And as I was thinking about that, I wonder how Jesus views us. I wonder if he would say, are we stalkers? Are we Facebook friends? Or are we real friends? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are so good to us. We give you thanks that no one cares for us the way that you do. We give you thanks that you, that you alone, have the ability to lead us to abundant life. And I give you thanks that you honor the prayers of a contrite heart. Father, I suspect that there are many here today who, like me, see areas in our lives where we're stalking Jesus and, and we want to recommit ourselves to following and to doing stuff. And Lord, to that end, I pray that you would clearly lead each one of us. I pray that you would show us the path you want us to walk down. And as we go throughout our week and as we, as thoughts pop into our heads of ways that we can follow you, Father, I pray that you would remind us that those thoughts came from you and, and aren't just random thoughts in our head. And we ask that you would give us the courage and the faith to act on those promptings, to follow where your son leads. And we pray this all in his name. Amen.